Good morning and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Stoffer, for this edition of Requests, which is part 37. And we actually got a few more Class of 2021 requests. So we're just going to jump right into it. They're from all over the country. But we're going to start off in Boise, Idaho at Timberline High School talking about DJ Burnham, the 5'10", 230-pound D lineman who's committed to Presentation College. So talking about some things that DJ does well, you know, Burnham has a good first step off the line and he has good strength and momentum to push around offensive linemen. You know, that's that's kind of his MO. That's his play is to just push him into the backfield and then be able to make a play following that initial shove or that initial push. And, you know, he's able to do it from a variety of positions, both on the interior and near the exterior, you know, he plays all the techniques, zero, one, two, three, four, five, and he can play that inside and outside shade just fine. And, you know, he does a great job of especially playing that inside technique and attacking that outside shoulder to, you know, get those offensive linemen off balance. And, you know, it starts with the get off and the good first step, right. And being able to use those hands and, you know, just making those linemen unbalanced and attacking them. And, you know, from that point being relentless and making the play. So, you know, he, he does a great job of attacking that outside shoulder, but he also possesses a very good inside rip move to get, you know, underneath those shoulder pads of those interior linemen and, and get into the backfield. So he has a couple of different ways of getting into the backfield, mainly through technique and, you know, strategizing. And I'd assume that he watches film and knows which one is going to do him better, you know, and also he, he has good reactions as well. So you know, he's he's good at reading that and deciding what direction is the best path to to making that play. I also think that, you know, it, obviously I mentioned it when I talked about his good first step off the snap and, you know, getting that push, but his hands get up rather quick. You know, he's not caught lacking. He very rarely does the offensive lineman get their hands on him first. But and, and I'll talk about what happens when they do. But, you know, he gets his hands up fast and that allows him to you know, make reads into the backfield and, you know, kind of stand those linemen up and push them wherever he wants them to go. I also think that, you know, when watching his film, especially compared to his teammates and not to pin anyone against anyone or anything like that, I'm not trying to cause any Timberline high school beef, but his stance does stand out, you know, as a bit more professional, a bit more next level, a bit more, you know, just refined. And it looks he looks comfortable, but he also doesn't sacrifice, you know, get off speed or anything like that. And that's for his three point or four point stance. He does have a pretty good stance of both, I think. And, you know, the stance is where it starts for the good get offs. So I just wanted to comment on that because, you know, most of the time I'm criticizing stances, but his, his is pretty good. And, you know, I also think that between his junior year and senior year film, he did up his tempo. He did find a new gear to kick it into and, you know, because his junior year was a lot of almosts, you know, that was almost a sack. That was almost a tackle for loss. That was almost yada, yada, yada. But this senior year, you know, he converts a lot of those backfield penetrations into sacks or into tackle for losses. And, you know, I think that that's a testament, A, to, to his work ethic over the summer and his increase of speed, you know, makes him a much more viable, a much more desirable pro prospect. And, you know, he has really good awareness too. I think that that's something else that improved. There's one play in particular where 
you know, he starts to get penetration in the backfield, but then he he watches the quarterback's eyes at the interior defensive lineman position, and he, he opens his hips, and he bursts right, and he makes a play, and actually, you know, he hits this receiver on this screenplay so hard that I count it as a, as a pass breakup, really, just because, you know, no one else was going to make that play, but he was able to make that from the interior defensive line position. He was able to break up a wide receiver screen. And it wasn't like a tunnel screen. No, I mean, it was coming inside, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a mid screen is what I should say. So, you know, kudos to him and that awareness. And obviously that shows off his speed as well as his hustle. You know, his hustle jumps right off the film whenever you're watching him. And, you know, especially his junior year where he took really good angles to make a lot of tackles from behind or, you know, out on the side, his teammates would keep pushing it, keep pushing it to the outside. And, you know, he's an interior defensive lineman who plays all over the field and he's willing to make plays all over the field. And for that, you know, that's something that college coaches like to see is that hustle and never giving up on a play too. You know, he's, he's okay to make multiple tackles a game and he, he's fine with that. And, you know, all this adds up to to one solid defensive lineman who, you know, was a 5A All-SIC Conference team player. So, but what are some things that are holding DJ Burnham from, you know, going beyond that NAIA level? And, you know, I got to start here with, unfortunately, you know, nothing new that he probably hasn't heard or, you know, nothing that would surprise anybody. And if this is outdated or if I have the wrong information, DJ, please reach out to me. But five foot ten, two hundred and thirty pounds is definitely on the smaller side as a defensive lineman, especially an interior defensive lineman. You know, the height you can live with, I'd say. But at two thirty, you know, something's got to give at some point. And so I think that, you know, he's going to have to probably gain quite a bit of weight, probably another 20 pounds if he continues to play interior lineman on that next level, which we already know that he will at Presentation College. But, you know, some areas of improvement that I was looking at was he looks significantly slower when he slid out to defensive end. And, you know, that's why I think that basically he has one of two choices, I think. He either has to get significantly faster and and play defensive end, you know, and try and find a way to excel there to play at the size that he's at, you know, being an edge rusher, or he's going to have to bulk up and gain weight and eat up more lanes in the middle because, you know, he just, his other moves outside of the ones that I talked about where he attacks the outside shoulder and he rips aren't, you know, they don't jump off the film. He has a swim move or that, he, well, he has a spin move that he tries out at one point and it's really slow and it's clunky and you know on the next level if he tries that spin move he's going to get blocked into the ground is what i think so he either needs to and, and his swim move is it doesn't appear often but when it does it's flawed or you know it it's just flat out missing so he could add more variety to his moves and i think that would make him more viable on the outside but as it stands right now, you know, his moves, you know, outside of the outside shoulder and the rip need quite a bit of work, I think. And, you know, I think it'd almost be easier to gain weight and eat up those middle lanes and just play the run game that he plays so well. He's definitely more of a run stopper, I'd say, as a defensive lineman and not necessarily a pass rusher is, is where my analysis of DJ Burnham is currently right now. 
And I also, one thing that I noticed that, you know, we've been able to say for a lot of other defensive linemen is he doesn't have a solution for double teams. On one play, he gets double teamed and he's essentially out of the play for good. You know, and you don't want that happening. You want to have some kind of problem solving, have some kind of instinct at that interior defensive lineman level. And I think that's what's keeping him, you know, from going to that D1 level. So talking about, you know, heading into NAIA, like we said, you know, there's a extended eligibility for a lot of these players. And, you know, it's just, it's a big deal that he got this commitment. And, you know, I wouldn't rush into it if I were presentation or DJ here. You know, I think that I don't know what their defensive lineman depth looks like, to be fair, but, you know, I'd preferably give Burnham here a redshirt year and, you know, figure out what kind of player he's going to be on this next level and what things that we want to kind of invest more in, or if we want to make him a bit more of a balanced football player. I mean, you could obviously do both, but I would definitely want to have him gain another 10 pounds before putting him on the field if I could, especially, you know, you're going to have lots of leftover eligibility. And I know that NAIA schools were playing in the spring, some of them. So, you know, there's a lot to digest is what I would say for DJ Burnham. And, you know, just getting him in that film room, getting used to school at the next level. Like, it's no big deal to have a redshirt year and come out a better football player sophomore year and, you know, come out as a redshirt freshman and, and ball out, you know, and get rotated in and stuff like that. That's kind of the height of where I see him as probably... You know, at best case scenario, you know, he's he's out there quite a bit playing probably 70, 75% of snaps, maybe even more depending on the depth. But I think for sure he's a rotational guy, you know, where you get him in on those first and second downs on those running down situations and you let him do his thing and, you know, make tackles and contribute in the run game. So that's my two cents on DJ Burnham. Once again, per usual, all of these players are invited onto the show. Just reach out to us on social media. Once again, if you're not following us, find us at Playmakers Corner or at Playmaker Corner on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, as well as TikTok. But enough for the plug. Coming up next, we are going to jump all the way down to the southeast in Florida. Howdy y'all and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host Cody Stoffer on Request Part 37 and we're going to be talking about Landon Barrett, the 6'3", 205-pound athlete slash linebacker out of Florida A&M High School who is a D2 commit to Upper Iowa. So I'm going to talk about areas of improvement first for Landon and then jump into a lot of his strengths. So Landon, incredible athlete, you know, he, he has a lot of things going for him, but and, and the majority of his film is at the linebacker position. But something that is a little bit concerning is his technique is very inconsistent at tackling. You know, he tackles a little too high, a little too often is what I would say. And, you know, it's especially a little bit concerning when he does, you know, go to make tackles and he does come in with such high velocity and force that he is tackling so high. I think that the risk of helmet to helmet is a lot like he doesn't lead with his helmet. But, you know, just based off of the level that he's tackling at, I think that that is a risk to consider when recruiting Landon. And, you know, that's something that I need to know as a college coach that I'm going to be working on and, you know, that we're going to have to focus and clean up quite a bit before the season starts. 
also think that, you know, his outside zone at, from the linebacker position could use some work. He definitely allows some catches that he shouldn't allow once they get past like the 10 yard mark, you know, in zone coverage. He's a little bit slower to react and yeah, he, like I think he can break up these plays based off of how he plays the flats. But, you know, once it gets to the outside, once it gets a little bit deeper, I can see a little bit more hesitancy in him. And so I think that that just comes with watching a little bit more film and, you know, breaking it down like that. And in addition to, you know, talking pass coverage, I did not see a whole lot of man coverage film and none that was super impressive, you know, especially like against, you know, maybe bigger tight ends or some of those athletic tight ends or slot receivers. I don't know how he matches up against them. So that may be something as, you know, an opposing coach, I would want to test and see if I could exploit on Landon here and see if he can keep up. You know, he's very fast and very athletic, but can he handle, you know, different route combinations and stuff like that? If we get him into a one-on-one -on -one situation, how is he going to do in a jump ball, etc., etc.? I also think that, you know, as he also played a little bit of quarterback and I don't think he's going to be recruited to play quarterback, but he does kind of do the same thing over and over again where it's roll out right and either tuck and run or heave it. And, you know, he only manipulates the pocket on like one play. And I would just want to see a bit more consistency. I don't know how many reads he typically goes through, but it doesn't look like he's ever, you know, looking off safeties or looking off corners, looking off line. He's never looking off the defense. It never looks like he's reading the defense. And it doesn't look like he's reading through his options, you know, at, at those positions. So those are some weaknesses I saw from Landon Barrett. But he is a steal, I think, for this upper Iowa team at the D2 level. And it's for a plethora of reasons, one of which being he is a freaking athlete. Holy cow. I think that, you know, the best play that describes Landon Barrett is... He comes on a middle blitz. He comes through the A gap, it looks like, maybe the B gap. And he's chasing after this quarterback, and the quarterback goes to throw a ball, and Landon just jumps up and snags it right in front of the quarterback. Comes down with it and takes it, you know, 40, 50 yards to the house. If that's not enough to knock your shoes off. I don't really know what is. It's definitely the most impressive play on his entire highlight reel because it shows everything that he's good at. You know, it shows that he's really athletic and it shows that he's fast off the snap and he gets into the backfield and he can rush the quarterback, but he can also make plays and interceptions. And he is a playmaker at the core of his, at the core of his, you know, football IQ and at the core of his football style. So, you know, I think that that, those are really important things to keep in mind. And, Talking a little bit more technique, he knows how to read the flow of plays and, you know, his instincts are incredible is, is what I would say. You know, he has great closing speed and angles to get to the ball. He makes a ton of plays in the run game and, you know, in those flats areas where he, he's asked to play coverage or maybe that middle zone too sometimes, his instincts serve him well where he's able to break up passes or he's able to make big hits on wide receivers and such and... You know, that sets him up for success. I also think that, you know, like I mentioned a little bit ago, he's really fast off the snap. And, you know, you could see this, especially in special teams, where he has multiple blocked field goal attempts. And, 
you know, he, he translates that well to the defensive side of the ball whenever he's asked to blitz through the middle. You know, he's really good at timing the snap and, you know, getting that penetration. He just beats centers and guards. They don't really stand a chance. And, you know, I think that his speed as well as his strength makes him a very serviceable walk-down defensive end. You know, that stand-up D-end kind of frame at 6'3", 205 pounds. You know, that's, that's only like 20 pounds away from that Von Miller kind of build is what I'll say. And... You know, I think that he's capable of playing that position as well as that middle linebacker position and, you know, playing sideline to sideline and making those plays in between the hashes as well as, you know, chasing some of those plays down and, you know, making those angle tackles as well. And, you know, at the quarterback position, I also think that he does a very good job of keeping his eyes downfield. But, you know, the most important thing that I got from his quarterback film is his athleticism. It's apparent on both sides of the ball, and, you know, that's why he was listed as an athlete. He's just, he's really good. And so for this Upper Iowa team, obviously, I do endorse redshirt when possible, but I don't know if you can leave Landon Barrett on the sidelines, especially with the plays that he can make on special teams. I think that, you know, that there's not film of it, but I'm pretty sure he could be an excellent returner for you at punch or kickoff return. He's obviously going to block punts and kicks and, you know, all of these things that make him really hard to not find a way to get him onto the field. And I think that it makes it easy to put him on the field when he can be such a special teams contributor. And, you know, he could do this all the while still building up some more muscle mass, watching some more film, I think, and working on some more tackling technique. I think that special teams, especially if he's on kickoff, will help out with that. And just seeing what he could do and, you know, he makes one great light-up play on special teams, then rotate him in a little bit on defense and just see what you have. I think that, you know, he's very versatile. I think that you could honestly play him not only at linebacker or stand-up D-end, but I also think he could be a safety. And, you know, that kind of versatility at a D2 is just absurd. I think he's going to absolutely dominate at Upper Iowa whenever at Upper Iowa whenever he gets the chance. I think it starts through special teams and he builds up to that, you know, that defensive playmaker role. And just, you know, as a defensive play caller, I would love to have him do a little bit of everything. Blitz, cover, play the run, you know, and and man up too. I want to see what his man coverage looks like. But that's what I think about Landon Barrett, the Florida A&M former high school uh, player and, you know, going over to Upper Iowa I think that he's going to light it up, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets an FCS offer or, you know, a D1 offer a couple years down the road, just because he's that good of an athlete, and especially against Florida competition, but I digress. Coming up next, we are jumping over to California to talk about a an intriguing defensive lineman coming up. Hey y'all, welcome back to Request Part 37, and we're going to be talking about a defensive lineman, Kaleo Pasa out of Silverado High School in Victorville, California, the 6'3", 275-pound D lineman. So, I'm going to talk about strengths first, about this hulking defensive lineman. The biggest strength for Kaleo here, as the announcers seem to call him, is his strength. His biggest strength is his strength. And what I mean by that is, you know, multiple times on his film, 
double teams are thrown at him and he literally just parts parts these linemen like the like the red sea you know he he's able to manhandle one in each arm basically and you know whenever he gets into one-on-one situations he drives this guy constantly into the backfield he's basically the next tier up i'd say from like uh, a dj where you know dj is able to engage and he's able to stand his ground essentially whereas Kalio is able to gain ground into the backfield and consistently make tackles in the backfield you know his tackle for loss stats are off the charts and you know he's an absolute baller i'm gonna read out some of his stats and i know that it's not even up to date because well he was a contender for defensive player of the year in his conference so you know talking about in this shortened season where he only played four games he still had six tackles for loss compared to his junior year where he had five tackles for loss over 11 games and over his high school career you know he he racked up 100 tackles at the D lineman position, which is pretty dang impressive. And, you know, a handful of sacks. He was one of the leading, you know, guys who collected a lot of sacks in the backfield. And, you know, his strip sack ability was also A1 there. You know, he caused three fumbles and he also recovered five fumbles during his time in his few years. And, you know, just lots of varsity snaps. He has a lot of exposure on that next level. And, or on that high school level where he consistently dominated from as a sophomore and he continued to gain size and strength as well. You know, his exponential trend towards the right direction was really fun to watch as you look through his film over the past few years. And it was very evident that he was dominant over there at Silverado High School and against those opposing teams for sure. I also want to mention, if it wasn't obvious, he almost never moves backwards. I did not see a time in his highlight reel where, you know, he was just blown off the ball or anything like that. And part of it is, you know, obviously his strength is is up there and among some of the best that I've seen for a defensive lineman, just strength-wise, just the pure arm power that he possesses. But he's pretty damn fast off the snap. You know, especially if you put him in that one gap, he's going to routinely stonewall quarterback sneaks he does it a few times and he even finds ways to force fumbles you know he's very intimidating it looks like there's a lot of botched snaps uh, against Kalio here whenever he lines up in that one gap where the center either you know snaps a little too high or whatever or the quarterback just doesn't grab the ball they're eyeballing Katoa here knowing that he's about to make a play and you know 275 pounds flying at you like lightning is you know I wouldn't want to be on the under end other end of it so that's kind of the effect that he has he's very imposing as a defensive lineman and it's because you know he's just so damn fast and so damn strong i also think that you know on top of his strength on top of his speed he has a pretty decent variety of hand fighting moves to get past offensive linemen linemen don't really get their hands on him they don't get a chance to he is the one who's in charge in those one-on-one battles especially and you know he just emerges victorious and something else that I thought was a huge testament to, I want to say his spatial awareness, his football IQ, and just, you know, his awareness in general is the fact that he very rarely, if ever, gets caught up in the traffic of the game. And what I mean by that is he effort, effortlessly weaves in and out of, you know, his players coming downhill to make plays and, you know, moving linemen and pulling linemen and wide receivers going upfield, yada, yada, yada. He has a path towards the ball and he 
constantly finds a way to get there and you know he'll continue to do that for sure i also think that you know what like jeez okay actually you don't understand how amazing it is to see him navigate through the field and he looks so nimble i should mention as well whenever he goes to make tackles that are on the back side of wherever he is or across the field or it's cut back his way he just will not get lost i think one of the most impressive plays was it looked like a double reverse that kind of went wrong for the offense and you know he doesn't get caught up in that left or right or misdirection or anything like that and he rips and swims and tears his way all the way into the backfield and he makes like a 10 yard for lost tackle so you know that's that's a play that spoke out to me and was a huge testament to that part of his game and you know i think that he you know his versatility is off the charts. I think that his speed and strength is pretty good. And, you know, he shows decent enough speed off the edge where I am fine with putting him out of the defensive end position and, you know, seeing what he could do just for different looks and seeing how that will translate to the next level. But, you know, I talked a lot about what makes Kalio good. I do think that he's a severely underrated prospect. I don't think that he got the recruitment that he deserves. And I'll talk about that a little bit in Outlook here. But I will talk about some things that may have been red flags for schools, you know, zeroing in on Katoa here. And one of those is he just does not square up to the ball carrier like at all whenever he goes to make a tackle. He either tackles way too high or, you know, he, I'm just going to say in general, he relies way too heavily on arm tackles. Obviously, you know, that works out for him at this level, being 275 and being as strong as an ox. But that's not going to fly against some backs on the next level. They're going to, you know, if you try to arm tackle Sean Kidd, you know, you're going to end up with a bruised arm and maybe even a dislocated shoulder is, is what I'm trying to say. And, you know, and that's just that's just Colorado talent that we're talking about. We have, we're, we're not even talking about nationwide. You know, if he ran into a Rakeem Boyd at the next level, like, holy, holy cow, his arm would be broken. So he relies way too heavily on arm tackles. And, you know, his technique tackling-wise is just, it leaves a lot to be desired, I'd say. And, you know, he almost at times gets juked in the backfield. And if he didn't have such long arms, he'd be in a lot of trouble for sure whenever it comes to making plays in the backfield and, you know, ending up on someone else's highlight reel. I wouldn't be surprised if he was just based off of the complete lack of form and technique that he displays when going for tackles. So that is something that I would want to focus on tremendously his first year of college. And then, you know, it might be the camera angle, but a lot of the time it looks like he's lining up offsides or is he, or he's definitely pushing the envelope as far as, you know, being lined up on the nose of the football or just above the football. I do think that he will get called for a few flags in the future because I think that's you know, if you get away with it for long enough or you just cheat up a little bit at a time, you you may find yourself getting away with it. But that's something that, you know, that next level of referee is going to be able to call and see just a little bit more. So I'd say just be cautious with your stance and where you line up and how much you lean forward. And then lastly, I didn't see a whole lot, if any, stunts, you know, from, from Katoa here. So I don't know what his lateral quickness on stunts may be. I especially want to see him working from that interior spot to that exterior spot and being able to attack those outside shoulders and, you know, getting those 
matchups where that tackle comes in and then he's one-on-one -on, -one on the outside against a guard i think that that's very ideal for him and i'm excited to see you know maybe some of that rand at that next level and speaking of that next level you know <sighs> Kalio here definitely a disrespected prospect in my opinion he is going to el camino community college so he is a juco product in the making here at playmakers corner we obviously pump up that juco route to refine some things i think that Kalio here i think that he's almost a must start for any juco his first year just based off of the size speed and strength that he does possess and you know i think that there's not going to be anyone really like him on that el camino community college team but you know he is going to juco i do think that he's a d1 player in my opinion so i think that you know he can go in this one year bust some stuff up and you know get that film spread out a little bit more and snag a d1 offer that he's actually looking for or you know he could stick it out and play there for you know he could redshirt his one year maybe get his grades up i'm not sure what the academic story is and you know then then take that second year to really focus on football and get that d1 offer because the d1 offer physically is waiting for him i don't know what else he has going on but you know just just staying focused i do think that he could go to that top level i do think he could be an fcs football player especially over there in that california area i think that you know they wouldn't mind picking up a local kid here and you know getting a great addition to the defensive line and in juco if he can clean up that tackling then you know he might even be a power five guy but that's kind of my thoughts on kaleo pasa katoa here and once again katoa if i'm saying your name incorrectly just let me know. Come on to the show and correct me. But that does it for Katoa. Coming up last, we have a three-star safety out of Kentucky. We're here on the last segment of the Playmakers Corner podcast on request part 37. I'm Cody Stoffer, and in case you didn't catch it, we first went to Idaho to talk about DJ Burnham. Then we went down to the southeast to talk about Landon Barrett over there in Florida. Then we went to the west coast to talk about Kaleo Pasakatoa. And lastly, we're heading back down south and towards the east to talk about Blake Ruffin, the three-star, 200-pound safety, six foot three, from Trinity High School in Louisville, Kentucky. Blake is an all-around great player and a solid athlete. But, you know, I'm going to start and talk about some areas of improvement or know some mild concerns that i may have now ruffin is a very clean prospect and i'm definitely going to be nitpicking here just a little bit but i will say that i do think that he could turn a lot more of those pass deflections into interceptions and if you've been listening to us for a while you know that this is a familiar critique of a lot of safeties and cornerbacks where it's like okay you're you're solid at a lot of aspects but where's the playmaking right and it's not to say that he doesn't make plays he does recover fumbles he does force interceptions but you know i don't see any pick sixes and there's a lot of interceptions that i think blake ruffin specifically leaves on the field and you know that's something that where it's just like okay let's get him in front of the machine let's launch some tennis balls at him let's get that catching up let's like blake when that ball is in the air it's yours so go get it kind of thing so getting that receiver mentality on the offensive side of the ball i think is really important it kind of reminds me 
uh i i'd say the best film to watch is like keon saab out of new jersey where you know he, he's really good about that and getting after the ball and you know letting the other team know that it's his and it also makes you a bit more of a physical presence too over the middle as if you weren't already and i do think that he's a little susceptible to you know kind of those outside fakes and coming back in luckily a lot of the receivers that luckily for him i should say a lot of the receivers that he went against they did not run very good flat in routes you know they drifted pretty hard on their routes right into his lap where he was waiting and just decimated them but those are pretty nitpicky compared to the list of things that blake ruffin does well and just the fact that he's a swiss army knife at the safety position he the first thing the first play is him blitzing on a safety mid blitz and, you know, he ends up making the play in the backfield. And it just was very eye-opening on how excellent of a blitzer Blake Ruffin is, I'd say. He he does it multiple times in both the run and the pass game. He does a very good job of timing the snap, timing the cadence, and, you know, getting to where he needs to be at the time where he needs to be there and making plays in the backfield. You know, you don't see a lot of safeties who are able to make plays in the backfield on, you know, blitzes. But Blake Riffin, Blake Ruffin also does it from from the normal safety position just by reading the play and reacting as fast as he does he flies to the ball he's like a heat-seeking missile honestly with the way that he weaves in and out of teammates and opposing players and just makes monster hits he is the best tackler on this episode i have no doubt about that you know he's consistently wrapping up he's consistently hitting hard he consistently gets his hand or his head on the ball to force fumbles he is so fundamentally clean whenever it comes to tackling that, you know, I was definitely blown away. And I think so is Eastern Illinois, obviously. I also, you know, uh, on top of obviously these physical tools that he has, he's super athletic. He's very strong. He makes monster hits. He can play the blitz. And, you know, he's a very good tackler. All these, you know, physical things are really good. It's also the mental side of the game that I see him where, you know, he's getting his players to line up in position and follow motion and switch their men and making sure that his his guys are staying disciplined in the defensive secondary for their place. He's bailing out his guys, you know, in, in cover one situations where he's able to play the whole field. He plays a good cover three. He plays a solid cover two. He can work into the middle and cancel out that, you know, seam that's left by cover two really well. And I wouldn't doubt that he's able to do the same thing on the outside of the field, you know. So he covers a lot of ground, both mentally and physically, in the way that he plays the safety position. And, you know, I'm just a huge fan. I love the safety position, honestly. It's one of my favorite positions to watch. And Blake Ruffin made it very fun this week to do a breakdown on him out of out of Kentucky. It looks like he played for a very successful program over there in Trinity. I don't know if it was this year or last year, but they, but they won state at the 6A level. And... You know, it's easy to see why when you have somebody like Blake who's able to kind of command that defense and make sure everybody's where they need to be. And, you know, as far as last line of defenses go, I'm very confident in having Blake Ruffin as my last line of defense because he just plays all over the field so well. He makes tackles in the backfield. He makes tackles on the deep end of the field. You know, anytime a pass is caught by somebody, you know, who he's not necessarily covered, like in that cover one especially, he beelines straight there. He makes the play. And, you know, he's even probably, I don't even want to say a half step, maybe an eighth of a step or a sixth of a step away from making interceptions on some of these plays that are on the outside super far away from him. 
I think that that's just going to change with his mentality when he starts playing ball more. That being said, you know, Eastern Illinois, congratulations on, you know, that commitment. And that is a Division I school on the FCS level. And I will say that, you know, once again, as I normally recommend, don't be afraid to, to redshirt Blake here and, you know, just allow him to get used to school and get used to, you know, just getting used to watching film and learning that defensive playbook. You know, I think that there's going to be a lot more asked of him at the safety position than some of these other guys. And, you know, learning that playbook is going to be really important, especially, you know, part of the reason I think Ruffin was recruited was because of that leadership skill that he has. And yeah, I just, I think that, you know, he's going to be a must-see prospect. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of success waiting for him over at Eastern Illinois. So don't be in a rush to find that success and necessarily get it all done at once. You know, he's going to have opportunities and, you know, depending on what his flight path looks like, I could see him, you, you know, going pro or semi-pro in some way, shape or form, just based off the physical and mental tools that he has right now as a high schooler. I do think that he might even be able to succeed in like a CFL or if there's an XFL, I think that he'd be ready for that right now. So Obviously, you know, that Division One level is going to be a test, and I think that Division One football is better than, you know, those semi-pro footballs or, you know, those professional footballs over in Canada. But, you know, I do like his outlook. I do like his future. Don't be afraid of taking a red shirt. You're going to find success. You're going to have your time absolutely on that next level. But that does it for this episode of the Playmakers Corner Podcast. That was Request Part 37. Thanks so much for traveling around the country with me on this class of 2021 tour, you know, and if you don't already, please find us on TikTok. You know, we're a little bit behind, but we'll be picking up the content a little bit here shortly. And we have lots of exciting news for you guys. Make sure to tune in Friday for another edition of Flag Football Breakdowns. These girls are absolute ballers, and we have one of the most viral sensations of 2021 on this episode. So make sure to check it out. Then be tuned in for more interviews coming your way, especially as we try and wrap up this class of 21 and, you know, give these seniors a proper goodbye. Congratulations to all those seniors. And then make sure to follow us on Instagram at Playmakers Corner. Facebook, we are also listed as Playmakers Corner. And you can find us on Twitter at Playmaker Corner. So be sure to follow us there. Make sure to subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you get notifications for all of our newest episodes. And please leave us a good rating. And thank you so much for tuning in. I've been your host, Cody Stoffer, and I will catch you on Friday. Peace.